Good morning and welcome to our very first podcast, a podcast of fighting boredom at DWU, where we try to get through the tough, boring college days of living in a town. My name is Peyton Ferris and to my left is... Alexis Volker. Today on Fighting Boredom, we're going to interview Wyatt Volker, a senior from Newcastle, Wyoming, majoring in wildlife management. So, Wyatt, what career path are you going to take after completing your undergraduate in wildlife management? What I hope to pursue with my degree is I hope to get into grad school somewhere and complete my degree in either wildlife or predator ecology and use this degree to obtain a job through a federal, state, or private industry to use research to reshape the way we manage coyotes to allocate taxpayer dollars better. Wow, that's that's interesting. That I hope I hope that all works out for you. So, kids around here, we've heard about hunting, but trapping is a little different. Can you explain what that is and how it's different? So yeah, trapping is a lot different from hunting because hunting is the pursuit of one animal to harvest, uh, compared to trapping where you're trying to use it for market purposes and try to get a large amount of animals caught instead of shot or hunted. And so the really the main difference is is the animals are captured compared to shot. Interesting. So you've been trapping for quite a few years. Like what got you all started? So my father got me started when I got out of diapers around the age and would take me on short lines. And as I got older and we got a little more into trapping, at the age of five was when I Got into trapping full-time, I've been, and now I've been trapping for 17 years. Full-time. 17 years, huh? Wow, that, that's a long time. So what are you primarily trapping when you go out and trap? So our primary target with that, we trap and we go out, is primarily coyotes it is. But we also uh, catch bobcats, fox, muskrat mink, or and beaver, just anything really the rancher needs taken care of. Wow, that's a lot of stuff you got to do. So, like, why do you trap coyotes? Like, what's the big deal about it? So coyotes in, are a very opportunistic and also a fast reproducer they are. And really, like, back in the – this is going to be good. So, really, the, kind of there's a war on coyotes there is. So, actually, back in 1920, when really westward expansion was happening – Really, the government and also the ranchers came together and actually created a pact to actually eradicate wolves and eradicate coyotes. It was really the goal uh, of their operation. In 1928, actually, the sarcoptic mange was introduced by the Montana government in an effort to eradicate the coyote population through biocontrol. And still today, you will see sarcoptic mange in coyotes and everything, and it was actually a failed depredation attempt. And then in... 1930 in the 1930s there was actually a big pushback against like the methods that they were using for trapping at this time traps still had teeth uh at the and so like this is when actually anti the first anti hunting organizations actually established was actually to do pushback on the inhumane practices of trapping back in the 1930s so as times evolved things actually got better techniques got better and actually in the 1950s is when they started to use chemical warfare against coyotes and they used and wolves and they used to lace uh, they used to shoot deer and lace them with strychnine 
and 1080 as well. And they use this, and so like anything that ate it, and whether it was a bird, deal anything within a certain radius would actually die and get killed but then and it actually was keeping the coyote from expanding into the east and is actually what actually successfully eradicated the wolf it was and let the government and also the ranchers get on top of them so in 1974 they actually banned the use of 1080 and also sodium fluoroacetate uh, as a source of management technique because it was actually affecting raptor populations. So after 1974 was when the coyote started to make its way and expand west because the coyote is now found from, north, from northern Alaska all the way to the southern tip of Panama, it is. So really the management of coyotes is, and this war is war, I put in quotations, is still going on today. Because now there's research is being done is on non-lethal techniques to try and deter coyotes from having conflict with cattle. And while lethal techniques are also being researched as well. Because really the main goal of why we trap coyotes is trying to find methods to deter livestock depredation and also human-animal conflict since uh, places with poor management like California, Illinois, you know, all these big cities, uh, are now having conflicts as well with coyotes in their town. So now the big goal in coyote management is how do we de deter urban coyote conflicts and how do we de deter livestock conflicts. Well, that is a great issue that you are solving by trapping those coyotes. And I am becoming very interested in possibly going trapping myself. So can you, like, tell me what I would typically be seeing on a day of trapping? So a typical deal, I mean, typical day in the field is what it looks like. I mean, it depends on the day because there's different classes of trapper, but if we're talking private trappers, what we are, a uh, typical day looks up because we trap from November into about mid-February, about the time where the fur is the best before the coyotes begin to break down since, you know, we are in it for the fur. We don't get paid by the rancher or by the government like uh, government control agents do. So the typical day starts right before dawn. You lo get loaded up and you try to get out there right at daylight and on set day. Then we set, you just go all day and you just crank and crank and crank and try to set and set. And obviously there's a lot of art to the setting because you're looking at unit sizes, you're looking at what your coyotes are, what's the travel routes, what's the hunting ground. And you're using the clues that the ground gives you while also the coyotes as well to set to try to catch the most coyotes in the short amount of time and to and also try to kill them where the cattle are going to be where they calve at so we focus on these areas as well so the setting day is virtually getting everything out with a purpose and then the next time you come out then it's check and then you just virtually repeat and then check it and then uh, at the end of the day when you get back after check day you get back to the first shed then you process all your fur and then the cycle repeats over and over again Seems like a long, tough day. Wow. So, like, what's your favorite part of the day out of, like, everything? Oh, the favorite part of the day has to be all of it. I mean, it's fun being out in the field, and it's also coming back and actually taking the animal you harvest and making it into a usable product as well. <coughs> That's awesome. So you've been trapping for 17 years. What is the largest coyote you've ever trapped? Now, if there's any coyote guys looking at it, you're going to think this is small. The largest coyote we ever caught was 37 pounds, 11 ounces. 
but be due to the genetics of the coyote because as when the coyotes and the wolves were actually being eradicated in the east they started interbreeding with the coyotes they did up in the newfoundland region so when you get about right to where we are east there's actually wolf genes mixed in there and that's what makes the coyotes here get over 50 pounds but we have one of the most true genetic coyotes out in wyoming we do so they're still a lot smaller they are so that's the largest coyote ever caught was 37 pounds 11 ounces 37 pounds that is pretty decent so we've heard that this like last year was like a record year for you and your dad so how many coyotes did you like catch in total my father and i yes it was a record year we ended up catching 203 coyotes in 115 days we did crazy <coughs> so <coughs> you tr <laughs> there we go. All right. So you're trapping these coyotes. Um, you have the coyote dead, take it out of its trap. What do you do next with these coyotes? So what does it do next? You know, after we there's there's a fur uh, cleaning process there is. So when we get back, you skin them, and then we run them through a washing machine. We do. Then after that, you dry them. Then you flip them inside out, and we flesh them and scrape them, and then we tumble them inside out and fur inside inside out first and then outside in the next run and this polishes your fur and you board the coyote on a board and you hang it up in in your shed that is you know set up for this and then it dries and then it just pops off the board and you have yourself a usable product so after that there's actually the fur buyers that come around who are like middlemen within the industry to come and uh, take it to the co-manufacturer that's going to use it. So they come in, they bid, they divide your uh, fur into lots based on the grade of the coyote. And they give you a bid and you just take the highest bidder of what it is and they sell them and then they take them to their main guy. And so it's a main industry, it is. It's just a chain industry. So coyotes are like is the price the same each year or does it fluctuate yes the fur market is actually a very sensitive market it is i mean a lot of things can really create spikes in the market or also drops as well so the price actually does change every year because the demand and what they're looking for in fur also changes as well one year they could be looking for heft and color as well one year the focus can be just on color or the next year could just be the focus is on heft on coyotes and sometimes you know the commercials use the commercial grade coyotes you know lose their use within the industry so then that really affects the market because it pulls your average down so i mean you can have you can sell a coyote ranging from anywhere from twenty dollars all the way to averages looking at averages you sell at a twenty dollar average all the way up to a seventy five dollar average so it all depends on the sensitivity of the market, where the demand is, and other external factors that are affecting it. Because coronavirus issue really took a hit on the market as well. Wow, wow, that is crazy. So we've heard rumors that trapping may be a dying industry and hobby. So what do you see the future of the trapping industry, and where is that going to go? Yeah, the it is definitely a dying culture it is now uh, the future of the trapping industry is not looking very bright as of right now because the the interest in trapping is dropping and we 
it's kind of a big struggle we've been trying to do because after the coon market took a tank a few years ago, this was like really the main people of why they trapped like in the east was trapping coons because you could get twenty thirty dollars for a coon, but now you can sit, sell coons for zero to five dollars, and they never ever expect the coon market to come back. So really, like the source of what we use to get trappers interested and keep them in it because they could actually make a buck is no longer there so the future is looking bleak and also trapping is a very poor industry i mean a a statistical study was done two years ago and it showed that in the world there is 13.3 million hunters why there's only 175,000 of us trappers and a lot of the trapping industry is just guys who come out when the fur market is good and then when the fur market is bad and they can't make a and a little more of a dollar at it. I mean, no one can really make money at it unless you're paid, but uh, then they're gone. I mean, the die hard, do it every year guys are dying. And also the interest in the youth is too as well. And they contributed this, uh, I was talking to a bunch of the old timers and they believe it was back like in the 1970s. It's still the record for prices that have ever been in the history of the fur industry where if you took the math done today like people were getting three hundred dollars a coyote which is ungodly heard of so a lot of these trappers when the youth would want to come would be very quiet because back in the 1970s it was a lucrative industry it was trapping was so we shut for about 10 years we shut down that kind of generation of trappers and now with the coon market crashing as i stated earlier it is so and also we have anti uh, trapping organizations against us now. For example, in Hawaii, they have a bill up against us now to try to eliminate the sale of fur uh, clothing in their state. California has already done this. Illinois right now is trying to limit, uh, eradicate bobcat trapping in their state. Maine is trying to create harvest limits on their coyotes. Uh, Montana, they were trying to attack public land trapping a few years ago. And these are just to, to name a few uh, things that are actually in the works to try to eliminate trapping and our state associations and our national associations are doing everything they can but our financial power uh, is not matching up to what the antis have so the future is looking bleak right now we're kind of hanging on by the tip of our fingernails wow so trapping could just disappear one day right that's that's not good so after listening to this what would you say is like the biggest struggle that you're dealing with right now? I would say the biggest struggle right now would be is combating these anti-organizations uh, because like I said, we're losing money and people are falling apart. Cause, and also now what's also gonna hurt us as well is during this coronavirus, there's actually a coronavirus outbreaks within the me- ranch mink market out in Europe. Cause Europe, ranch mink is actually what drives wild fur market because initially when the, the coronavirus hit all these deals and it actually killed over 2 million mink it did. And so after this happened, people were like, oh, the wild fur industry is gonna boom because there's not, you know, there's not this demand. We don't have all this influx of ranch fur coming into the market we do. So it's gonna help it boom. But actually in return, it actually hurts the market because the big buyers that come to these auctions, they actually come for the ranch mink because they actually have the quantity of fur taxi to fulfill their orders and the demands that they need. And they also buy wild fur as well to get a lead on it as well. So really, the wild fur industry piggybacks the ranch meat industry, which the ranch meat industry is also shutting down now. So the biggest struggle now 
and because of this, actually, NAFTA, NAFA, North American Fur Auction, that's been around since 1637, actually just closed its doors last year. It did because of its investments within the ranch meat industry. They did. They ended up losing out on a lot of money because of it and couldn't financially regain from it. So our largest thing where most everyone sent their fur who was who was hobby trappers has nowhere to do that anymore so the biggest industry is actually keeping the fur market alive and actually keeping a demand there because really the only thing doing well in the market right now is coyotes there is no demand for really anything else now fox are still in single digits uh cats ain't even buying at all bobcats uh muskrat are still going for a buck a piece i mean so really the the biggest struggle we need is to keep the fur market alive, to keep the financial interest there, to get new people to want to come and actually get into trapping because financial incentives obviously are the best way. And then hopefully they just gain the drive and the passion for it. And then after that, money won't matter. So then we'll have a bigger, stronger backbone, more financial power to fight these big financial giants of the anti-trapping organizations. Well, that's a lot of val- valuable information that these viewers and listeners of this podcast can take away. So after sharing all of this valuable information, what is the biggest takeaway that you want our listeners to get from this interview? The biggest thing that I want you to take away is that the false propaganda that actually these anti-hunting organizations put is not scientifically backed nor is it even true they understand that the lack of knowledge that the community has and so they push these false agendas that coyotes suffer in traps for for weeks on end and they die because of heat and stress starvation no every every state has check laws in place we do to deter this kind of inhumane practices the laws and the technology that goes into trapping has created more humane kills more humane catches and so the biggest thing biggest thing i have to say is the false propaganda you see push talk to a trapper he'll be more than delighted to show you he'll stick his hand in a trap for you he'll show you how the snare has improved over the years to create a more quicker and humane catch so the biggest thing is if you ever see it on the bill on voting day something against trapping vote no because more than likely it was just a push by a big lobbyist of the anti-trapping organizations who base their reasoning strictly off of pure emotion and nothing on science and so my biggest takeaway again is do not vote against trapping please help to save the industry do you hear that do not all right, Wyatt. On behalf of Fighting Board, we would like to thank you for coming in and talking about the trapping industry. Um, we would like you guys to tune in next week of Fighting Boredom at D-Dub. Catch you on the next one.